Welcome to Cruise with the Lose, a fun and informational podcast that answers your timely questions about cruise planning and your vacation on board ship. Let's get started with this week's show. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Cruise with the Lose. In this week's show, we're going to be going over some common cruise questions that we see a whole lot of. So to jump right in, we're going to start out with asking the question, is purchasing a drink package on board worth it? And to answer this question, I'm going to send it over to you, Ian, first. So I think that's a very good question. It's one that I did a lot of research and asked a whole lot about before we went on our first cruise. And it really comes down to, like a lot of things, your personal opinion or your thought on the matter. However, for us, we have found that a certain level of drink package is worth it. So on most cruise ships, you have to think through from the standpoint of if one person in the room gets any kind of drink package, usually everyone else staying in that room has to get it. Whether they're a soda drinker, whether they only ever drink water, uh, whatever level you're getting, you um, you have to be willing to purchase something for everybody in uh, in the room. However, if you want to really relax uh, and enjoy a something to drink on your on your vacation, and you don't want to have to worry about paying each time you go to a bar to get a drink or what have you, or if you just really are going to be sucking down um, different kinds of beverages, then you want to maybe just calculate that out and see this is what I'm going to be paying per day, and this is what uh, each drink costs, and usually it's worth it. For example, on our last cruise, I kind of got on a kick of a like a tonic sparkling water mixed with cranberry juice pineapple juice you know what have you some kind of fruit juice and i went through 12 to 15 of them each and every day so at at four bucks a pop that adds up real quick and the forty dollar you know drink package definitely made it worth it for us so one thing on that just to be aware of when you are in port before the boat cruises off, you are responsible for any drink taxes. Mm. So that is something to think about and just to know about ahead of time. It may be 49 cents, it may be 69 cents, but if you are still in port and you have not left your cruise port, you will be charged the taxes on those drinks. That's a really good tip actually. All right, thank you guys. Dad, did you have anything to add to that? Yeah, it's interesting because um, let's call this a counterpoint then uh, for for individuals, as as you said, you uh, price it out. So on on most cruises, you all obviously you can buy a drink package that includes your spirits, beer, wine, things like that, or or soft drinks, and it also uh, most times covers specialty coffees also. So as you say, you can price those things out or you can purchase things individually. Uh, go up to a, uh, the coffee counter and um, get your latte or even a milkshake as, as we've done in the past um, and 
you know, uh, charge it to your to your room, and you don't even notice it until you get that final bill. So, <laughs> in the mail. Um, yeah. So, and then you think, oh, was it worth it or not? I don't know. But um, so, so, so that's one thing. Uh, if you do purchase the drinks individually, whether it be um, uh, spirits or or beer or wine or or anything on most cruise ships, uh, you also have a gratuity. So it's usually eighteen percent. So you're, if you're paying, uh, you know, a five dollar drink, uh, you're you're adding eighteen percent, and then if you want to tip even more, uh, in cash, you're you're allowed to do that. Obviously, uh, it also depends on what level of of cruiser you are. Uh, say you're a concierge, uh, so you have um, and always check online ahead of time, uh, or if you're using a cruise professional. Uh, in in the travel agent or something, um, check what your package includes. So uh, most times your your drink package is included in in that. Or if you purchase a a, a cruise online or through your travel professional, uh, many cruises like NCL or or Celebrity or uh, any of those have free drink packages that are, are considered a, a bonus. But uh, again, pay attention to the small print because uh, maybe say free uh, package of this, package of that, but they're not actually free. If you deduct them from, from your bill, you can see that they aren't. Uh, actually, I was just looking at a, a cruise for an Alaska adventure and uh, a free for free for this. Actually, it turned out to be $200. And you, you look at the itemized cost and you just check off the box and it's deducted. So, oh, so uh, you just be aware of, uh, especially if you're booking online yourself. So a drink package or not, or just to look at things individually, or if you're just going to stick with water, iced tea, uh, some cruise lines obviously provide that for regular passengers, soda, water, beverage, iced tea, coffee, things like that on on, on deck and or with dinner uh, for free. So just all those things are something you have to consider. Yeah, and I was actually, when you were talking, Dad, I was thinking about, um, you know, pricing it out also. Sometimes when you book your cruise ahead of time, if you're looking at the drink package, before you get on to the boat, you get a discount for purchasing it ahead of time even. So comparing those prices of what the price would be booking it ahead of time versus booking it when you get straight on the boat too as well. And not to belabor the point, but one thing that has recently shifted since when we first started cruising about 10 years ago is a wordplay really, but a lot of times you'll go on a cruise and have an onboard credit, be it $50, $75, $100. And before, like many years ago, you could, of course, only use that onboard credit, as it indicates in the word onboard. However, nowadays, most cruise line allow you to use that onboard credit before you even go. So on this last cruise, we were able to use our onboard credit ahead of time to get package discounted and make that credit go further and we didn't pay, end up paying anything out of pocket for it wow that that's a fantastic tip yeah so for everyone listening down below in the description we're going to have linked a website cruisetipstv.com slash estimator where you can go in and select your cruise line as well as an estimate of the different types and amount of drinks you might think you'll use and it'll tell you for that cruise line whether or not 
the drink package is worth it specifically for you. So moving on to our second question now, and that is, as cruise ships are getting bigger and bigger and there's more things to do, how do you keep track of and find the other people in your travel party, either on the ship or if some get off on an island or uh, another port? How do you keep track of them? Well, I guess maybe the better question is, do you want to keep track of them? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. I don't know. That's true. <laughs> I would, I don't know. I, we have always, I guess, just used the most of the cruise lines have a app that you can download specifically for disney cruise line carnival had it as well i wouldn't say that they're always necessarily the easiest to use or the most intuitive to use or even the best app experience but there is free onboard ways to basically use wi-fi not Wi-Fi, but just messaging to then find someone in your party. Again, I found it's not always like the most intuitive. So you just tend to wander around the ship if you're looking for somebody. But that's just kind of been in my experience, I suppose. Emily, that is so true. Um, <laughs> so we went on a cruise with my family, my Texas family, my mom and dad. And no joke, they found us every time. <laughs> no matter if you wanted to hide from them or not, they will find you. There is intuition. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you can always find me closest to the food. Yeah, it's true. An example, as much as we tuck our phones away and not pull them out, and not have access to them, there is the messaging system to say, to tell somebody or ask, where are you guys? Kind of want to come to where you are without walking around and looking for them if you want to just go directly where they are. But if we have our phones tucked away and nobody looks at it for a half hour, you end up walking around and looking for them anyway and easily found. It's not that difficult. Um, and if you don't, you don't, and you figure it out later. So we don't put a lot. That would That's really how we use um, the app for locating people. It is easy to walk around and find somebody pretty much somewhere, or we just have to remember to pull that phone out and check if they've responded to your, hey, where are you question kind of thing. Or just say, so, I'll see you at dinner tonight. Yeah, Enjoy yeah, your day. Like pre, <laughs> right. Which I feel like is kind of one of the benefits of having like, like a designated dining time, which, you know, if you're doing an evening right. dining seating, most cruise lines do that. You tip like all family cruises we've ever been on. It's just been like, we'll generally see you in the lobby of the dining room before 10 minutes before we're seated or something. So. I do feel like there are certain ways to just kind of know where people are and not make it too complicated or always, like mom said, feel like you have to pull your phone out all the time. And one other thing, actually two things that I've seen other people use and do is walkie talkies. Mm -hmm. uh, that's oh, a little right, bit of really? an older situation. However, people use their walkie talkies. Uh, take them on board. They have a two-mile range. They work. No way. Oh, yeah, for sure. Whoa. And you see kids running around with walkie-talkies, the whole thing, just tuned to the same channel, and they're able to chat with mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, whoever they're there with each Whoa. other. Uh, stateroom phones, though no one these days uses a phone that actually plugs into a wall. Uh, cruise ships still do. And 
and it does work, even though it's kind of an old fashioned situation. And then a newer technology would be to just take an air tag and uh, stick it in your pocket and everybody walks around with an air tag and you're able to track people that way. Okay, I was actually just thinking of that, but then I wonder, I've never used that before, is it precise enough down to the location on the ship or could you just generally see, oh, you're floating in the middle of the Atlantic? <laughs> It would give you a precise location, really? not deck by deck, sure. but where on the ship you were. So you cool. could be like, oh, they're on, you know, the front, middle, back, whatever. Sure. Or forward, yeah. midship, cool. aft in nautical terms. I like it. Because we're all um, adult age that cruise together, if we're in a group as a family, it looks a little different to be able to communicate. Um, the air tag and some of the walkie-talkie thing may be a great idea if you have, you know, 12 or 14 year old younger kids, you feel safe letting them go play putt-putt or letting them go play basketball, um, but yet you kind of want to keep track of them a little bit that would be more of a thing probably for those age groups with band groups and families. All very good points. So we're gonna move on now to our third topic, and that is how you choose the best cruise cabin and location of that cabin on the ship. I feel like dad has a lot of yeah. information about how you kind of choose, or mom, I don't know. One of the two, because both of them kind of always do that for us, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when we're going as a family, we kind of do. I personally, just to be cautious, I'm particular with the motion of a ship, not that you're going to have any, but if by chance you would, I'm pretty particular about location. So the least movement feeling location horizontally and vertically on the ship is midship. Not to the front, not to the back, but midship. Every ship is a different size, so as far as what deck you're on would look a little different as to where you'd be located that way. But we're pretty much midship sailors. Now, I know a lot of people, especially if you get a veranda room, a lot of people like to kind of like do the whole pre-planning. Okay, I want a room that if you're on a Disney ship, faces Castaway Key when we pull in. And I feel like that's a tip of all of that pre-planning logic that goes in, just like looking at webcams, looking at blogs, looking at what other people kind of say, and then being like, oh, you wanna be on the port side, which, you know, if that's right or left, I will never know, but you wanna be port side because then you back into Castaway Key and then you're facing the island for your veranda and for your room. So I know a lot of people kind of like, you know, choosing a side of an airplane to sit on to see the Eiffel Tower for flying over Paris. A lot of people like, to kind of have that information ahead of time as far as like placement on the ship as well. I would say that uh, there are some more obviously premium locations that are gonna be upcharged for sure. And that generally is midship because accessibility on a cruise ship is key. Now, whatever that importance is to you is of course up for you to decide. If you're someone that has a little bit more trouble getting around or you're traveling with someone that may need to have some extra assistance closer to an elevator, it might be what you wanna do. For me, it's personally not because I don't wanna risk the noise. Some people wanna be right out the 
uh, room. I know on some Royal Caribbean ships, the room, you have state rooms that literally the door opens directly into the kids' water park. They can just open the door, kick the kids out, go play, hang out in the room, watch the kids. Um, it just it just depends on what you want. Uh, personally, just like's already been mentioned, uh, Sam and I already always try to cruise midship, ninth, eighth to ninth uh, a deck of that. You know, you don't want to be right under the pool because you'll hear people running around dragging deck chairs all day long and then kind of far away from the elevators, like I mentioned. Yeah, following up on that, it really is uh, accessibility, as you said. Um, because the elevators can get crowded at, at certain times of day, uh, if you're picking whatever um, deck or floor, if you're hotel analogy, um, to be two decks to three decks below the 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 main food, obviously for you, Ian, uh, is of course. And you could you burn off a few calories running up the stairs, just uh, two decks or something. Or if you want to use the stairs going down into the into the atrium lobby and most of the restaurants on which are usually on decks three four five on most ships uh that's a good idea too so uh somewhere right in the middle is uh is easy access to a whole lot of things so to summarize i guess the the real tip is to if you really want to avoid uh any possible cruise ship motion being close closest to the center of the ship uh, both lengthwise and vertically is probably going to be your best bet. But some people, they like cruising in the back because they like, if they have a stateroom looking out the back, seeing the wake of the ship, some people like being further forward. So it really pays to look at the deck plans of your ship, and those will be available on all of the cruise line websites. Um, you'll be able to see deck by deck and your stateroom as well. There's some websites that even provide user reviews of every single stateroom across a specific ship. So it's helpful just to do your research and to look at where you might want to go. So moving on to our next question kind of dovetails nicely with that, and I'll pass this over to Emily. What are the best ways to com combat seasickness on board a ship? Oh my goodness. So it is passed to Emily because the last cruise that we went on, I experienced pretty extreme seasickness, I would say, for the very first time. Um, I've been on many cruises before and never encountered that. But it was a particularly stormy night going through like the first night that we were out sailing and I thought I was fine and then I was not fine really really fast um so definitely I was not at all prepared for any sort of seasickness thankfully mom was with us and mom being the best just had all of the things so I ended up taking a Dramamine which is a pretty common seasickness like pill and that kind of knocked it out of me and also knocked me out. So definitely look at <laughs> drowsy versus non-drowsy options. Um, I wouldn't say that I felt like 100% the rest of the cruise just because it, I still felt very wobbly. But I, I was definitely glad to get like off the boat when we got to the private island and like put my feet in the sand, which is like a real thing, like grounding, like connects you back to the earth and things like that. So um, that was definitely helpful. Maybe if you do get seasick, especially on your first night or something, 
Um, just try to get off the ship whenever your first port of call is and just uh, try to go barefoot on some sort of natural surface, whether that's sand or the grass or something like that. That will definitely help. Dramamine is a great thing to have with you. I will absolutely be bringing that. Um, ginger, whether it's um, like even just a ginger ale that you can get or ginger capsules or ginger oil is really naturally good for settling your stomach. Um, and then on our next cruise in February, I will be buying and bringing the seasickness bands just to kind of preempt anything. I've not used them, so I can't vouch for them, but I know a lot of people who experience pretty extreme motion sickness and do swear by them. So those are kind of the big things. I'm sure you'll probably hear that lots of different places, but also in my personal opinion, just if you're feeling seasick, don't push it, go lay down. It's still a vacation, even if you want to be with like different people and like your family and things like that, just like go lay down, have some water and just kind of wait for it to pass. And to add on to that in my particularly uh, cautious approach, just to prevent it, 24 hours before I get on a cruise ship, I just start taking ginger capsules um, for just, I just take them a couple times a day, just on a regular basis. I take them on the cruise. I have a, a ginger oil I also use. Um, I also know that there are several people that use the patches um, behind their ears and they say those are what helps them. So there are a variety of things. Also one tip is just know if you need Tylenol, you need Dramamine, you can go to guest services, you can go to their uh, nurse's station location and you can get all those things at no cost. They're, they're free to you for being on there when you need them. Yeah, those are all great points. And if you're somebody who doesn't know that they'll, if they'll get seasick or not, maybe you're a first time cruiser or just not experienced with the water, it never hurts to be prepared, but don't go into it feeling uh, worried about it, but just be prepared. So quickly here, our final question, opening this up, how do you pay for things on board the ships that aren't already included in your cruise package? You take your parents and they pay for it. <laughs> hey, over to dad. <laughs> well, uh, when you're when you're booking your cruise, obviously, um, whether through a travel professional or online yourself, but they will require you to to leave a credit card. There are some cruise lines like MSC that don't, and you have to actually put your credit card while you're on the ship. Uh, so they have a little kiosk around the ship, and that's how you do it. And you also can prepay for your gratuities uh, also, which is, which is nice. Um, those The crew members, all, each one, from your servers to your housekeepers to um, uh, whatever, your bartenders, they all work hard. And, um, and so they are, there are cruise line standards that, uh, that are recognized and abided by. So you'll, you'll see those charges, uh, whether up front uh, when you are booking uh, what you, the, the daily charges per person, or you'll see them on your bill on the end. And so uh, just be pre prepared for that. And also, one, uh, oh yeah, that's right. One thing we should mention. So if you're going to have uh, room service or you, anyone else you want to tip uh, for when you drop off your luggage first place, have some dollar bills with oh, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, usually a room service item is a, a $1 per item. Um, and $1 per bag when you're dropping off your luggage, things like that, just so 
uh, depending on the length of your cruise, have have the appropriate amount of dollars. Uh, and if you're feeling uh, generous, or you, if you're in a cruise ship with a casino and you hit the jackpot, you know you can just use that that money too to pay off some of your your cruise debts. Nice. The other thing I would say is a lot of ships with their new technology now are coming out with uh, uh, like a wristband that is linked to your onboard account. It's called different things based on the different ship that you're on. And you can use that wristband to scan uh, at specialty restaurants for to get in and out of your room, to pay for room service, you know, the casino, whatever it is. So those things, you don't have to pull your card out each time. You just use your... Uh, your your room key or a wristband to swipe and pay for that. Yeah, if you're and also if you're purchasing something in a gift shop or whatever, you can use your room card that has all the information on it to get into your room, to pay for things at a bar, whatever it is you're doing, coffee shops, whatever you're doing. It's also a card you can tap in gift shops for purchasing and it comes on the bill at the end. So every and if you have a room credit that's also on the card. And so they deduct that from your room credit for all your purchases, if whatever you're purchasing individually, and then um, whatever the balance is, then you pay that on the credit card that you have on file. All very good tips. Well, that's gonna do it for this episode, covering common cruise questions. Uh, stay tuned in a couple weeks for a part two of this. We'll be going over some more commonly asked cruise questions. And as always, remember to like, comment, and rate on whatever podcasting platform you use. Thank you for listening to Cruise with the Loos. We'll be back in two weeks with more informational and inspirational cruising content. Until then, happy sailing.